Hello, this is Keith Perhack again at Data Beats Opinion. I am here today with Stefan Hildebrandt, the co-founder and CMO at Dream Data. Uh, and we're going to talk about digital marketing. We're going to talk about revenue attribution and everything in between. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you, Keith. I'm, uh, I've been really looking forward to, to our conversation. Yeah, me too. So, this, I mean, this is something uh, we were talking a little bit about the before the show that really is a difficult problem, which is not only when people think of attribution, they're thinking about attributing a single person through a flow, right? They're thinking of the, the B to C kind of like someone clicks on an ad and then buys something, or they're thinking about a yeah. SaaS, someone comes in, signs up and then starts using it. But what you do and what you talk about a lot is not necessarily going to the single individual. It is also going to the account level at a whole, because there's multiple people that then make up that account. Is that, is that correct? Yes, exactly. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been uh, actually uh, just to, I can just describe my own background as well. And uh, like, yeah, before that, I was working, I was working in a, in, a, in a B2B company that was selling hardware into schools and to, to businesses. And in those processes, there would always be kind of, for, for the school, there would be a teacher who we were selling a, a wireless streaming device. So like there would be teachers searching for how can I move around in the classroom, et cetera. But that's, that's only kind of, you know, a quarter of the sales. Then that teacher had like an IT manager and then that IT manager had like an IT director. And then maybe the school's uh, CFO or CEO would have to sign off as well. And I come from a, like a, a mindset about marketing that, you want to produce marketing should be done to produce revenue mm -hmm. but in this scenario where you, you know that there's going to be three or four people involved it's going to take three six twelve months before you close that deal then you know the conclusions you risk making if you're just looking inside of traditional tools like google analytics or facebook yeah. ads linkedin ads etc it's just going to completely misguide you because it doesn't represent the nature of how b2b uh, acquire stuff b2b is they buy it's a team right. and all the tools that you're using they're understanding the world as a single person and you know even worse some places just as in uh, un, unconnected devices that are just <laughs> operating right. out there yeah and this i mean you have a number of problems in that situation you have the problem of first of all you have multiple people under the same umbrella on that under that same account and then you have the other problem of like okay, Google and Facebook attribution is seven days and nothing's yeah. in B2B enterprise style sales, nothing's getting decided in seven days, right? Like you might totally even not get no. a demo in seven days. No, like even uh, just for ourselves, uh, I know uh, like, you know, obviously we do multi-touch <laughs> tracking ourselves and just for a demo call to be booked on our website, it normally takes five sessions mm -hmm. and uh, that typical pattern will be kind of, the true referral source initially, which could be an ad or something else. Then it could be an organic visit, and then you'll maybe see three direct visits afterwards. And if you were to look at the original source field in your CM system, it will tell you, oh, this one converted from a you know a direct visit. Right, exactly. But what, what you're not seeing is that you actually spent money on starting that journey, which means either you're growing a lot slower than you you could do, or you're just mm -hmm. wasting a lot of money because money because you can't really connect. You know, you're spent to the the business outcome that you're trying right. to to achieve. Exactly, 
And what I've seen in a lot of, because I think CRMs are starting to, they want to have the bullet point of, oh, we track attribution, right? When they have the bare minimum that they need to be able to say that. But even something like ads, where you're looking at now branded search, where you have essentially the Google tax, you have to be spending all this money in order to be ranking high in Google. And the CRMs are attributing that as paid traffic, even though really Mm. it shouldn't be paid traffic. Because it's not, right? It's 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 a yeah. tax. So that's something where a system like yours or what we do becomes more important because mm. you need to be able to drill into that more than just the top level, like, oh, it wasn't at. Yeah, and I think that's the uh, I think we're going through a big shift where people start to go, okay, it, it's not a, like a single touch, less click world that we live in. But the transition is, is just super hard because they're used to looking at certain things. And now, you know, segments are extreme data and others are saying, you know, the world isn't actually like that and the numbers you're looking at are wrong. Yeah. That's pain because that CEO, he learned marketing 10 or 20 years ago where the data was much more simple and there were much less devices involved in, in yeah, journey. It was more of a straight line back then. Yeah. Um, but I think like you you know, we can at least see from our, typically from when we look at, for example, the paid channel, there's like a three to five X difference in terms of you understanding the world as a last touch world or like a, the, the true first touch, which yeah. means like if you can invest five X the amount of money into your marketing, then you're going to completely outgrow uh, your competition. Yeah. In the B2B side, do you see, like, I know it's very much case by case, but what do you see as the larger indicator of success? Is it first touch? Is it last touch? Or is it the fact that there's multiple touches and the number of touches is what is what uh, influences it? I'm, you know, I'm doing marketing, so I'm very much wired towards uh, finding, <laughs> finding out what starts the journeys. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely not all ads are equal there's a huge yeah. difference in how they perform depending on you know audiences media as creatives etc but uh what i want and as such then also we can also come into this bit but the predictability of you know people wanna they come in with b2b with a mindset of oh can we just get a data-driven model because then you know <laughs> That, that just gives us the recipe of what we need to do. Mm-hmm. But, and then you have to get, then the world isn't that simple. But in fact, there's probably, it's, it's maybe 1% of all B2Bs in the world that actually have enough data to do a true data-driven model. If you think about it, when a deal closes, sometimes you know five people, other times you know three, other times you know two or one, or then so, suddenly there was a deal with 10 people involved. And then these deals were three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months. Somebody clicked that ad, other one clicked that ad. And you know, when you start to do math on top of that, you just arrive at, at, at some kind of <laughs> at some kind of average where like, yeah, okay. So you start this Facebook ad and then had make the click that one. It's not how B2B works. Um, we just released uh, some benchmarks from our own customers now, and we could see that in average, there were 32 touches involved oh, wow. in an account from first touch to, to, to the deal being one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I, I really honestly don't think that one touch makes a difference, except that actually I, I think if there were one touch, it would be, you know, the first touch that you were actually able to get in front of a person who started a journey with you. Right. You know, then sometimes it's a sales call. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it's, you know, social selling on LinkedIn. <laughs> sometimes it's a newsletter. But you, just the sheer notion that you need to get 32 touches in there means that you need to be present a right. lot for, for like moving a deal forward. This is something that I think a lot of people don't really get, both on the attribution side, but also on the sales side, which is that, you know, they say you have to tell someone seven times before they actually understand it, right? And sales is the exact same way. There's not a, <laughs> oh, I showed them an ad and then they purchased. And even in e-com, which is probably the simplest funnel out there, it's not even true. Yeah. Very few people oh. see an ad and are like, oh yeah, I want that. That's, yeah. It, yeah, we had, we had done, and I'm going to link to the, um, what did you actually, the the benchmark, the go-to-market benchmark yeah. 2022 uh, in the show notes, because I found that incredibly interesting. Um, yeah, but I, I think that people don't realize how much effort and how much, how many, <laughs> rep how much repetition there is in yeah. closing one of those deals. Forget about a funnel and you know, just focus on getting like quality touches in front of people every week. Like mm -hmm. do high quality content, do high quality calls, do high quality meetings, you know, just peg, peg in those high quality touches just along the way. And I think it would be nice if we're, that there was such a thing as a, like a data uh, recipe for what to do. But I think you end up in a too average place to, yeah. to, to say something smart. Well, this, this is one of the things that I always keep harping on, which is that a lot of marketing dashboards and a lot of marketing analytics deals with averages. And it's like, oh, what is our cost for acquisition? Or what's our return on ad spend? Or how, like, what's our lead value across an entire swath, right? And across yeah. the entire funnel or, God forbid, the entire company, right? And we would even say that if, if you're talking about a B2B company, all the numbers are completely wrong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but but then, uh, because, um, yeah, there's no no such thing as as dangerous as a pretty graph. Yeah, exactly, and that's <laughs> and that's one of the things I always talk about, which is like those are good numbers to know how the business is going and like improving or declining. But to actually know anything, you have to drill down into the outliers. You have to find out this is what is weird about this group. This is underperforming. This is overperforming. Like, and be able to attribute to that level. Yeah, and like a, a CFO might ask, like rationally, what's our best uh, ad channel? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, we start the journey on Google Ads, then we retarget them on LinkedIn and Facebook, and then we get to display in front of them, and then they come back to Google Search to like do the branded search and that was actually the best campaign right <laughs> so the world is not that simple it's like each account might have had like five or ten clicks on ads before they bought yeah yeah all of our all of our ad reporting that we do internally uh removes all that branded search ads because it's worth ah, it like <laughs> yeah i mean it's good to know like okay they came in through this eventually but i want to know like where did it come from <laughs> right before that right I think most of us are guilty in having hidden uh, a few bad months campaigns uh, with like blending in some some branded search. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're being honest, you know that yeah, that's not the right path. 
I think that's always the challenging part about analytics, um, especially in the when in the agency world, because you're always there's always 800 ways to slice the data. And yeah, whether consciously or not, you tend to go towards the one that makes you look better. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think this is also I don't know if you've talked with your customers about it, but there's like a fundamental challenge of being uh, an agency where the client is looking at you know short term performance, but the agency might be aware that you know this looks like an average sales cycle of six months or something like that, and you want us to push more emails through within this month. Are you sure that's kind of the right balance in uh, what we're trying to achieve? Right, exactly. Because the and I think at the end of the day, both of them want that long term growth and success. But there is yeah. a there's definitely on the client side a push for like. I'm paying ten thousand, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars a month right now to work with this agency. Yeah. Like results, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> I need to, see, need to see those leads coming in. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it is a challenge, and that's why I think that looking at long-term return on ad spend and long-term return on investment is the better play. And being able to say, okay, we know we're not going to get it back in X months. And we set that yeah. expectation up front. And you need a tool like what you do and what we do to understand the longer sales cycle, to be able to say, yeah. look, this is not coming in on day one. This is coming on day 14 or month uh, six or month 12 or month 20, right? Like, mm. I, I literally ended up in my last company. I, I, was, I judged the ad spend in the same month as I made the ad spend. Mm -hmm. Even though it's a completely ridiculous, that journey would also be like six months and three to five people involved. But still, I was judging. I spent my almost $100,000 this month. How much did we produce this month? Even though like, you know, the clicks you buy this month are just seeds you plant everywhere. And then they actually need mm -hmm. six months. And the one you're harvesting now, you planted six months ago. <laughs> So I think that really should, describes well the need for actually being able to connect the dots over a longer time because yeah. the investment you make today is not going to be seen next week. It's three, six, 12 months from now. Exactly, exactly. This is one of the things that kind of drives me nuts about the Facebook ads manager is that they conflate conversions and, um, and ad spend. So if you had an ad seven days ago that converted today, they're still going to count that conversion today, even though the ad spend was seven days ago. And it's like, yeah. So what, what do you trust? What is the actual number coming in? Right? Like. It, yeah. It, I think it, this is in general, that's where the ad platforms are getting into more and more trouble because of this, uh, what's it called? ITP uh, intelligent yeah. tracking prevention that Safari launched where they're really trying to front, uh, if punish is the right word, but they're trying to prohibit at least these ad providers of doing like, uh, you know, not so pretty tracking of what the users are doing. Right. So that means that the ad platform, they're standing on the outside trying to judge what's going on on the inside. Whereas like a first party data processor like us or, or Segmetrics, we're on the inside. We can look at where does the traffic come from, but also what does it become once right. it's landed. And we have access to the systems that we need. For Facebook to do proper attribution, they needed in a, at least in B2B to be connected to the CRM system of the business right. as well. But they're not. Yeah. And they kind of tried that with Facebook Analytics, that uh, the platform, but then they kind of 
threw that all away. I think that they they just realized it was too. I much heard a lot of people works. actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard a lot of people actually liking it, but I don't. I can't remember why it got sunset. I think. I mean. I don't know the official reason. My it got sunset pretty much at the same time when Apple said, "Hey, no more tracking," and so I think they were oh, just yeah. like, "Look, <laughs> we don't want to deal with this anymore." Um, yeah. What What I find frustrating about the Apple uh, privacy side of things is not necessarily the Apple privacy thing, although it really, whatever. That's that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. yeah but yeah. the fact that now Facebook is kind of taking the scorched earth situation where they've removed tracking for us and other third-party tools and anything that, because now they're trying to sandbox it and say, oh, your tracking's not going to be worth anything because they've sandboxed it on their own and they're mm. blaming Apple. This is something yeah. that they decided to do, but they're like, we want everyone to be angry at Apple, not us. Yeah. So it, it's become, the, it, it's, they, they've walled themselves off and it's become very difficult for like the mobile browser on Facebook and stuff to actually get real attribution out of it anymore which is super frustrating for long-term attribution because you see someone go into the Facebook mobile, they click around and then they leave and that's all sandbox. That's gone. That's that data is yeah. just not there anymore. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. So the, uh, is the ads that you run on Facebook or like where you stay inside of the Facebook world? Yeah. When is you stay inside the, the Facebook app, because mm, that's not yeah. shared with the outside browser at all. Right? Got so, it. Okay, yeah. so then they go over to Safari and they start clicking around and suddenly you're it's it could be a completely different device essentially mm -hmm. right because yeah. the fingerprint's not the same the IP address is different like everything's different yeah. so. <laughs> annoying good, good for <laughs> private people annoying as a, as a business yeah exactly exactly so I want to talk uh, I know we kind of jumped around there I want to talk a little bit more about the the benchmark that you did so one of your big uh, things that you had realized was that 32 point, uh, 32 touch points before a, a sale or before a conversion. What were some of the other interesting things that you saw with that uh, with those benchmarks? I think uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things that are interesting, uh, but one of them is that an average journey from the first touch to a, a B2B deal being one is 192 days. Oof. That means like if you want more pipeline by by Christmas, you need to start those ads. <laughs> pretty <soon. laughs> it's pretty, it's uh, pretty fucked up to think about it that way, but it's at least this is not scientifically correct data yet, as if it's just below five hundred people who participate yeah. accounts that participated. But it's real data, and it's right. so. I think that somewhat will will represent what is actually true. And I think what surprises most people is that normally when they, they get asked about how long is your journey, they talk about from, you know, when the lead was identified to when the account was won. Mm -hmm. But what they're actually telling you there is the sales cycle. They're not telling you how long time did that account spend researching anonymously on your website until they let themselves know and then started that kind of traditional right. funnel. And those two parts actually turned out to be... Uh, equally long so if you have a saying in your sales team that your journey is three months long it's actually more likely that it's six months long right. where the people just are lurking on your website checking out different stuff going to the review website etc yeah and, and that means incredibly uh, much when you're trying to understand is my marketing working it's a good experiment 
should I stop this ad after one month of running it or should it actually get two or three more months? Right. Especially. And if you then like, also refer, yeah, <laughs> I can just finish them. Then the same thing if you have like, a, if you have like a, as a marketing team committed to delivering a certain amount of pipeline for the salespeople to close their budget, then you need to start you know, twice as much time up, up ahead than what you thought you needed to do. So if the sales team has a target in December, you need to calculate your way back and take okay, from opportunity to close one, how long does that take? From MQL to opportunity, how long does that take? And from first touch to MQL, how long does that take? In order for you to actually like with somewhat predictability to deliver enough demand for your salespeople to, to close right. the, the business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you're exactly right because most people, most sales companies do just start from, okay, we got a lead in August. How long did it take from getting that lead to converting when, yeah. I mean, I look at the software that I buy and the, the, the companies that I work with. And it's like you said, it's generally three months before I even mm -hmm. decide, okay, I'm going to get on a demo or I'm going to start a trial or do, or even yeah. put in my email address. Yeah. You want to be like, at least for myself, I want to almost have made the decision before I talked to a salesperson. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm actually curious on the back end, are you doing any, so before they raise their hand, before they uh, give you their email address or sign up for the demo or anything, are you collecting yeah. people together into those accounts? Because I know you do that once they join in, but yeah. for example, if I have three people in my company looking at your website, are we all grouped together by account because through a LinkedIn something or other like, um so we we sort uh, users when we can so if you guys are sitting at the same ip address mm -hmm. then we can say now there's three anonymous devices from this ip address looking at your website mm -hmm. but we only get the identity of you once you submit a form uh, like a demo call newsletter mm -hmm. ebook etc at this point we get permission to glue together the known identity with the unknown identity Mm -hmm. So we we give our customers a script, and this script you can put on your website. And you know if uh, if Keith is on our website five times before he converts, then the first four times he will just be an anonymous log of that device that keeps doing something. You know, so you're completely uh, you know privacy compliant because you only glue together anonymous behavior with known uh, behavior once you actually give the permissions for it. And then when you have the permission, then we, we do a string of things to sort you to the right account. Mm -hmm. We look in the CRM system. Can we resolve this email together with an account? Yes, no. If not there, we go to the, uh, the marketing automation platform, the customer success platform. We look at the email. And if nothing works out, we, you don't get sorted until you know we're able to do it. Right. But given that, as, uh, as you have like 32 sessions in average, the likelihood of you getting sorted at some point uh, is quite high. Yeah, exactly. Especially as you collect all that data directly from Salesforce and HubSpot and all that, because you're able, as they get on those sales calls, you're able to say, oh, this person is actually Bob, who's been going for three times and he's now connected to the account and pull in all that data. Yes, and maybe we can just touch quickly on the kind of uh, cross-device uh, thing, yeah. which a lot I of people always talk about. Well, so the way we've solved it is that in our data model, a user can have multiple devices mm -hmm. and multiple emails. 
it takes some time before all of it gets glued together, but over time it gets glued together. Um, so I can give an example that, let's say you browsed on your phone, went into our website, signed up for our newsletter. Then we would have identified the phone and that email. Mm-hmm. As you then start receiving mails, you maybe one day from your computer click the link in the mail. Now we know that this device and this device is owned by Keith. Yep. And, and so it kind of continues. Yeah. And especially when you have those longer sales cycles, you're by the time that someone has gotten on that sales call or has raised their hand, you're going to have a very complete vision of them because yeah. it's it's not like something like um like a Shopify store where really you don't have those extra chances to connect in a short time no. unless you're doing a lot of back end funnel work. Yeah, I could imagine like if you're buying a pair of running shoes, you maybe go to f- three, four, five different web shops during like a span of one or two days, but that's all you get. Right. And those exactly. web shops might just each see just one visit. And if you know if the person declines cookies that day, then you don't get any tracking set. Yep. Is this something so we were talking a little bit about funnels? Um how do you what do you feel like I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. So with a sales mm-hmm. process, definitely there is a sales process to the funnel. How do you feel that, especially in B2B sales, automated funnels and automated marketing within that nurture sequence are effective in that uh, in that communication and in turning a MQL into a customer? It's a really good, uh, good question. And I don't really believe that much in funnels or uh, at least B2B, uh, I don't know if you call it mid-market sales and upwards. Right. Where you're kind of selling, you know, let's say plus like five digit uh, contracts. For the way we do it is more we use uh, marketing nurtures to, if you sign up to our newsletter or to our ebook, if you sign up to the product for free, then you get a few emails helping you get, get set up. But from that point on, on, we actually leave it to the sales people to make sure that the nurture happens. So reach out try to get them into meetings, invite stakeholders, et cetera. Then what we do to try to like keep them, you know, getting those soft touches in there as well is to produce a ton of quality content uh, that we can you know, send on the newsletter, but also just share on LinkedIn, do retargeting ads with it, et cetera. Um, and we actually, we're, I think we're like three or four people from Dream that are connects with every MQL. Mm-hmm. So, if you accept all our invites on LinkedIn, then you're really gonna get funneled into like a, <laughs> into a lot of the brand impressions because we we also each of us post two to five times a week on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. And if you add on top of that that we like each other's posts and comment on each other's posts, then like there's a high chance that you like multiple times every day see our brand impression. And I think that's it's the only kind of way to do it. It's it's there's too many dimensions in trying to orchestra a uh, like an automation here, right. and the chance the chances of you doing a good automation is it's much lower than you you you're doing it where the salespeople just do the reach out and send. Right, because I mean it's 
it's one of the challenges I think that a lot of people have as they go from low dollar sales cycles to high dollar sales cycles, which is at the low dollar sales cycles, it's not feasible for a salesperson to constantly be reaching out or multiple salespeople. And it's like, it's a whole mental shift on how to change that process. Oh, yeah. I think that that's a really good one as well, just in general for how you run your okay, just go to market. So understand kind of what's your average contract value mm-hmm. and what does that mean for how you go to market? Like if your like average deal is you know ten dollars a month, then you cannot have a, like a super smart enterprise sales guy calling right. these people because the metrics never gonna work. So you need to find other channels, SEO, cost per click, etc. And yeah. so yeah, the re- so yeah, the reason why it works for us is that you know our average deal size is like twenty thousand euros or something like that. So if a salesperson call closes a couple of those per month, then then that salesperson is okay. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember? Um, I think it was Process Street. I think was the name of it. It was a it was a SaaS software. It was pretty low dollar value. It's like the, probably fifty hundred dollars or something like that. But they had the most intense sales cycle I'd ever had. Like I had live people <laughs> calling me every single day for like six weeks just to try yeah. and get me to come on. I'm like. They must have had a lot of funding or something because the, the, the amount yeah. of value you could possibly get from these sales yeah. calls does not match. But it's exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that lifetime value is and, and you aren't able to correctly see what the possible value for a cohort is, right? You mm-hmm. might spend 20 hours, 30 hours of, an, of a high-level sales guy talking to me when I'm only going to spend maybe 2K tops, right? And that's not going to work out for you. So being able to attribute that early on is important. Yes, I think this is also, this is more like general business advice as well. Something we've learned uh, a lot is the importance of actually having defined an ideal customer profile for you, which means write down how does the company look? How does the person or people look that you're trying to attract? Because that simplifies everything else in your even like yeah, in your whole business. Because where do we go to do marketing to get these people? If you have people who convert on your website, your sales people can only talk to the people that actually fits this ideal customer profile. When you build product, you build product for this ideal customer profile and not that other noisy person in, yep. in your pipeline. So by having like a really clear definition of who with how which companies are selling to who are the people that we're selling to, then all the other choices become a lot easier and you, you know, you're much more effective with that time you have available. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's, the, it's that attribution that helps in that. Like there's a lot that you can do from a top level, this is what we're deciding, but I think that there's also the attribution that something like Dream Data provides is really important in being able to understand we thought that this was our best customer segment. We thought that this was our most valuable customer yeah. segment, but it's not. And yeah. being able to understand that from a data level. Yeah. And, you know, also to some degree, some product data as well, like are these people going to end up being happy customers or are they going to churn at some point and then your investors are going to kill you because your churn numbers are too high. Right. So it's also about, you know, knowing when to say no, even though like you could almost like, just scrape that deal across the finish line. Maybe you shouldn't do it because they're not going to be happy because, you know, the product isn't really built for that type of business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. 
we've learned that the hard way. <laughs> I think I think all businesses have at some point. It's like th- this is definitely our best customer segment, and then realizing that they're just horrible. Like <laughs> they're just yeah, not who exactly. you want to focus on. And in the beginning, when you're like, especially if you were to be bootstrapped, then you'd kind of just have to, you know, sell to who you can sell to right now. Yeah. I was, yeah, because we are completely bootstrapped. Um, and that nice. was one of the big things that we learned in the beginning as well, which is at the beginning, it's like, okay, anyone who comes in the door, like sign up. And then as mm. we grew and as we found our niche, we were like, okay, these are the types of customers that we want to focus on. Anyone else, yeah. we just don't care. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Stefan, any advice or anything you'd like to give to the companies and the agencies and the people listening to us? I would say uh, if you want to go down that data driven path, uh, then the best time to plant the tree was uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> and the yep. second best is, uh, is today. So look through how you go to market today. And you know if it's not digital, digitalized in that sense, it's not building the traces you need when you want to go back and try to understand what's actually going on. Yeah, exactly. Stefan, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Um, primarily LinkedIn. That's the place where I'm active. And people can just reach out with any kind of question that they might, uh, might have. Excellent. Well, we will link to your LinkedIn. We will link to the uh, go-to-market benchmarks from 2022. And, of course, to DreamData as well. And, Stefan, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking to all of us. Thank you, Keith. It was a, it was a true pleasure. Definitely. Talk soon.